Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. This conversation for some people might be triggering because today we are going to be talking about gender-based violence, domestic and workplace abuse and harassment. If anything you hear in this conversation makes you uncomfortable, there are links in the words that sit alongside this podcast that can direct you to support. As you will find out in this conversation, you're not alone. Today, I'm deeply privileged to be joined by social impact pioneers from Rwanda and the UK. Meet Mariette, Batil and George. Together, they join me today to discuss gender-based violence, why poverty, displacement and climate change exacerbate the violence and how we can all work together to make positive change. Mariette, Batil and George are each part of Practical Action's expert team that works to help gender inclusion and equality. So be ready to hear deep, lived insights from within tough places and also hear practical ways to bring hope. So Mariette, George, Batil, welcome. It's great to have you today. Thanks for having us. Happy to be with you. Yeah. Hello, everyone. And uh, thank you for inviting us in this podcast. Happy to be with you. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm really glad to be here. Wonderful. Um, Mariette, I wanted to turn to you first. So we were recording this conversation at the start of the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence in 2023. Can you share with us a bit, why is gender-based violence an issue that an organisation like Practical Action that works on energy, agriculture, waste, climate resilience, why did you need to highlight and address this topic? Uh, Thank you, Cathy. Thank you for the question. Actually, Practical Action as an international organisation that works to improve the lives of most vulnerable people in developing countries all over the world. Uh, we work widely with range of sectors uh, such as including energy, agriculture, waste, climate resilience. And we believe that gender-based violence is, is an issue we need to address in all our work because of the following reasons. First of all, practical action consider violence against women as the most persuasive breach of human rights. So when talking about practical action is uh, participating in a different campaign against gender-based violence because practical action believe that gender-based violence is one of the challenge to development And uh, we believe that living in gender inequalities is one of drivers of poverty and injustice. So uh, practical action do its best 
to support to prevent gender-based violence in our activities, uh, to help our, our partners to free from gender-based violence, because if they still continue to live in gender-based violence of, or gender inequalities, it will not help them to develop or to free from the poverty. Practical action implement gender mainstreaming approach and work to achieve gender transformative change. Actually, we champion the advancement of gender equality and women's empowerment across all our program. Also, practical action consider gender-based violence as an issue for our activities because studies show that women living in poverty are most vulnerable to gender-based violence. Women's economic empowerment program needs to be carefully designed and implemented so that they reduce gender-based violence. This is a risk that they can increase tensions in an intimate relationship. This makes men part of program uh, integration. We integrate men in our program because we cannot end gender-based violence focused only on women. The reason why, recently, Practical Action in Rwanda has established a gender working group in our new project, in our project on renewable energy for refugees. We think that if we establish this uh, gender working group, it will help our partners to take part, to be part of our activities and to mainstream themselves, gender-based violence. That's a really thorough introduction to this, I mean, quite frankly, quite tricky conversation. And, and Mariette, thank you very much for, for sharing that with us. George, I wanted to bring you in uh, now. So anybody listening, sometimes you hear gender-based violence shorthanded to GBV. So next time you see the, the three-letter acronym GBV, now you know what it stands for. As Mariette just shared, but also, I mean, you look at the statistics that women really are the predominant victim when it comes to, or survivors, that when it comes to gender-based violence, which therefore indicates to gender inequality. Could you share with us a bit about and Mariette started doing this, but a little bit more on, you know, what does gender inequality actually look like, particularly in the places that you're working in? Yeah, thank you, Katie. Yeah, so I think I think this is a really important point. Gender-based violence can be considered probably the most stark, the most extreme signifier of the underlying gender inequalities that continue to affect societies all over the world. We know the statistics show us that globally one third of women will experience physical or sexual violence from an intimate partner at some point during their lives. And that's a global average and rates do vary between regions and between countries. It's a shocking indictment of our society. I think the important thing to note here is, is not so much the specific number, because as I say, they, they do vary, but the point that this is affecting people, and as you say, Katie, predominantly women and girls, but, but to some extent, at much lesser extent, men and boys, is affecting, it's affecting people in every context where we work. I think the second thing to say here is that I've referred there to, to physical and sexual violence, but gender-based violence as an umbrella uh, category is much broader than, than just those two forms. It includes 
verbal abuse, psychological and financial abuse. It includes emotional violence, forced and early marriage, female genital mutilation. What I think is important to note as well is that in recent years, I think the sector as a whole and, and also practical action more specifically is beginning to develop a more intersectional understanding of how gender inequalities operate in the context where we work and, and therefore how gender-based violence manifests itself too. So for practical action, we work with women um, across the globe who experience intersecting forms of social exclusion. And this can take very different forms in different contexts. So, for example, we work in Nepal, in rural areas with lower caste and Dalit women, where gender norms and norms around caste intersect and reinforce and complicate one another in complex ways. In Rwanda, as, as Mariette and Bertil will explain in a bit more detail shortly, we work with refugee communities, and that includes refugee women who fled violence and instability in, in neighbouring countries. Across in Bangladesh, we work a lot with women informal workers who provide an essential service cleaning streets and collecting and managing household waste. But due to society's attitude towards that work, they experience quite extreme stigma and social exclusion. Jumping across to, to Bolivia and to Latin America, where we work a lot with indigenous communities. So in Bolivia, for example, we work with the Aymara and the Tacana nations. We also work a lot with young women. And so we see there, you know, these complex dynamics where gender norms and norms around indigeneity and tribe and norms around age all intersect in quite complex ways. So from our perspective, I think the thing that we've learned in recent years particularly is that it's just absolutely essential that we understand these local dynamics um, in quite profound ways. We have to understand the experiences of women themselves. And I think the first the first step in that process, of course, is to just simply stop and to listen, to really listen to the experiences of women and how these gender norms, these underlying gender inequalities intersect with other norms and inequalities around social inclusion and exclusion. So, so yes, uh, gender-based violence is, is widespread. It's very deep-rooted in all the contexts where we work and across the globe more generally. Um, but these intersectional nuances are really important to, to understanding how to begin to prevent and to, to address it. Goodness me, the stats are massive, aren't they? You know, one in three, that means definitely a lot of people who you know are experiencing or have experienced this or will experience this. George, uh, thank you so much for kind of shining a light in terms of why there isn't necessarily a one-size-fits-all approach because actually there's so so many different underlying causes and reasons and intersectionalities, as you say. And we are going to come on to, uh, for people listening shortly, about you know how do you go about addressing this, whether through your work, business, but also potentially through your personal life. And um, I fe- I'm very aware that obviously for some of this, this might be quite triggering, but um, hopefully we'll be, as the title goes, sort of you know looking at practical action around uh, around this. Mariette, I wanted to bring you in here because I wondered if you could share with us trends feel like the wrong and a rather crass word description of it. But can you share with us a bit about the ways that gender based violence is, you know, people are sort of seeing it arising or or it's sort of 
is it static and changing and it's sort of been the same for the whole of sort of humanity but also um around sort of gender inequality too you know what is there kind of a, a movement in terms of how this is being experienced and and what should we should be doing about it yeah thank you Katie. i think as you we all know gbv is deeply rooted in equal social norms and dynamics the key trend to note uh, is that it is getting worse with the climate crisis. There is evidence that extreme heat lead to increased rate of GBV. We have an example in Ethiopia, all over the world. There is those conflict that comes from extreme heat. And finally, we know in the aftermath of natural disasters such as floods, which are becoming increasing prevalent all over the world, women and girls at increased risk of GBV and they flee homes and seek refuge elsewhere all over the world. Evidence shows that under the increasing pressure that comes with failed harvest and increasing food insecurity, for example, during the, the times of drought and incident and the you know that there is increase of GBV. We, we are all concerned about the inequality, marginalization, discrimination, stigma, violence that we see around us. But we do always, always recognize that power is at the heart of each of these. And uh, also there is a negative masculinity, which is core to conflict related to food, to climate change, where husbands are too demanding. We have example from where we are working in a refugee camp. Uh, men are so passive on some activities like cooking at home, since the culture or social norms predict such activities are reserved to women. Do we realize that injustice and nico of every kind is an expression of power or a symptom of power structure? The fact is that power lies in the heart of human relationship and how society are organized. Often, we recognize power in its most visible or direct form, but on the other hand, more complex form that it takes. For example, we see that Women's lack economic resource is a cause of their lack of voice in their families, in their communities. And that, that uh, social attitude causes preference and the discrimination against women and, and the girls. And I can say that one of sustainable response to this is to empower women, to provide them with the opportunity to step abroad on an empowerment journey. We have to empower women, a journey to gain the confidence, to gain skills and the knowledge they need to reach their full potential as agent of sustainable change. However, we need also to engage men to support women and girls in their journey and to be allied, to ally with them to challenging harmful gender norms and the stereotypes. Men can also be uh, use their position of power and influence to advocate for good practices that promote gender equality and prevent gender-based violence. At practical action, 
especially in Rwanda, we have started to integrate men in women's platform. Uh, as I said, we have established a gender working group and we have both men and women. And uh, we integrate men because we believe that both women and men can work together to challenge social norms and to become together gender champions in their community. And, and can I pick into that a bit deeper, Mariette? So, I mean, first of all, the statistics, as you were talking about, that GBV is being exacerbated because of climate change and shocks and, and where that imbalance, you know, hard times get harder. Um, but I was wondering, Mariette, could I pick into the house? So you talked there about bringing together groups of people as a working group to try and sort of unpick some of this and, and, and challenge and, and tackle gender-based violence and or gender inequality. What does that actually look like? You know, how do you go about it? And what does it look like on the ground if somebody was listening to this thinking, oh, can I do something similar? What would your advice be, Marianne? Actually, uh, the Gender Working Group initiated by Practical Action will, will work like a gender a platform to help our partners to, to be more involved on what we do and to mainstream gender because they are considered as champion, gender champions. They are men and women identified because we know that they are people who are already know about gender and we have trained them about gender and how they can represent their diversity because we consider them not only as women and men, but also as diverse because they have different status. Uh, so they are women and men, different ages. They are youth. They are people with disability and different background because, as you know, we are working with refugees of different background. So they are responsible for ensuring that gender is mainstreamed, is being considered in all practical action activities. And they also help us to make sure that all their, their needs, the needs of refugees, including women, are considered and met uh, in the implementation of the, our program. So uh, they, they are there and uh, it's a kind of team who are trained on gender and who will help us to mainstream gender uh, in our activities. So the reason why Practical Action consider this team as a team which will help practical action or activities of practical action to be sustainable in different areas, especially in refugee camps. Super interesting. And, and then, Bethel, you've been very patient, quietly sitting in the corner. Uh, not at all. Um, I wanted to bring you in at this point because obviously uh, you have also been uh, working on this alongside Mariette and George. And I wanted to invite you to share, well, like, what does the impact of this look like? What does the sort of outcomes or examples of, of how this works in, in practice? Uh, thank you, Kate. Uh, I'll continue by giving a just a frame of reference of our work and also sharing gender-based violence in displacement settings as it is closely linked to environment, tension, and uh, as a result of high case of gender-based violence. 
For instance, in the refugee camp, women have a burden associated to firewood collection or to get alternative type of fuel. And this causes violence because in the refugee camp, there is no forest. They have to go and uh, search firewood in the host community. Understanding those challenges, incidents, violence, and the general need of refugees, this helps us to design the project intervention of renewable energy for refugees. If uh, I give you an example, we have uh, been working with market actors to bring improved cook stove because we know the burden women and young girls are facing. And besides any Congolese culture and the Burundian culture, women are the ones that are assigned to cooking. However, with this uh, intervention, we show we showed that it's possible even for men to cook. Those are intended impact. In the refugee camp, it can get dark at 6 p.m. There are specific places where both women and men can't walk because their phones or their bags can be stolen. If I give you a typical example, there is a bridge in, near community center in Mahamatu. Around 6.30, no one can move there. Seeing the installation of solar-powered street light, how it contributed to safety and the security, and hearing in the meetings from the camp manager and the other organization on how our intervention is eliminating GBV is really rewarding. I have to add that um, in the camp, we saw that poverty in the household create fight, tension between husband and the wife. Under RAE for Ara project, Renewable Energy for Refugee, we have been working with men and men under livelihood opportunity. I can give an example livelihood uh, opportunities such as revolving fund, productive use of energy scheme. This has brought community solution for refugee to become self-reliant in their families. And it's created social and economic impact. And we have seen a big result. I want to share a typical example of a lady called Suzanne. She's a Congolese refugee living more than 24 years in the refugee camp. Before she was living in Igihembe, now she's relocated to a bigger camp called the Mahama Refugee Camp. Her family is in the category three, where there is no cash assistance. And being a staying home mom of six children, that created a, a family tension because uh, her husband considered as a useless woman. Through our project, uh, we trained her and give mentorship. She was able to acquire electrical trailing machine to do cloth design for women. Now Suzanne, she's able to teach other women to sew and hope to extend her business by acquiring a larger space. Now she's currently generating income. For the quote she told me, uh, she, she told me now I'm able to buy shoes for my children, 
from the money generated in my business and send them to school. So hearing those all stories, it shows that if you proper design, if you proper design uh, intervention, that's a really tackling uh, gender inequality. It can help uh, both women and men in the community. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And for anybody listening, I'll put some links, or I'll get the links uh, from the team to put into the words that sit alongside the podcast so that you guys can go and have a look at it too and, and indeed follow up. Um, George, I wanted to bring you back in at this point. We are Business Fights Poverty. That's the organisation that underpins the social impact pioneers, of which you are definitely all really pioneering this work. So thank you. George, business. So if anybody listening who might be sitting within a company or a sort of a private business, why is this gender-based violence and also gender inequality a business issue? And what should business practitioners perhaps be doing about it? Yeah, thank you, Katie. The key message of, of, our, con- of our campaign for the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence is that gender-based violence is everyone's business. And this is because we know it's happening in all societies, in all communities, and it has deeply pernicious and potentially long-lasting effects for all the people who are affected by it. So, I mean, in addition to those examples that that Bertil and and, and Mariette have shared already, you know, we know from our own work at Practical Action that gender-based violence affects women's ability to join and participate in our training programs, which are equipping farmers and entrepreneurs around the world with the skills and the knowledge to run successful businesses and, and contribute to local economic development. We know, thinking back to the informal waste workers that I mentioned who who clean the city streets um, in various parts of countries like Bangladesh, that they're working in public spaces often after dark, where, as as Bertil has described from the um, refugee camps in in Rwanda, actually the risks and the incidences of gender-based violence go up considerably. And yet they're providing an essential service that all city residents depend upon. So I think first and foremost, in terms of what businesses need to do, what businesses need to do is to acknowledge and to recognize the negative impacts that gender-based violence have on their workforces, on their supply chains, on the productivity and the well-being of their employees. You know, this this is a human rights issue. Gender-based violence is a human rights issue. I think it's only once we recognize and we acknowledge the perniciousness and the the um the widespread nature of gender-based violence that we can do anything about it. But I would say that when it comes to doing something about it, it's it's not for businesses alone to act and to try and address it. For me, the absolutely fundamental and essential ingredient here is partnerships. And this is because we know, we know from our experience that all over the world, there are specialist organizations who have worked to understand how to prevent and how to address gender-based violence. Often these organizations have been working for years, sometimes decades. They're often deeply locally embedded. They really understand the nuance of these local uh, dynamics that I referred to earlier. 
So they know how to support survivors, they know how to work with perpetrators to change their behaviours, and they know how to work with local law enforcement agencies um, where appropriate. And I think it's I think it's it's fair to say that businesses can't expect to do these things themselves. What businesses need to be doing is forging partnerships. And, and by that I mean genuine partnerships, genuine equitable partnerships with these specialist organizations. For me, it, it's partnerships that's the key ingredient here. Thank you so much, George. And and I really it's one of those things where I feel as though we could talk about this, I mean, for days and obviously the amount and of knowledge and expertise and experience that you guys have um, is incredible. And I'm sort of doing you a dis- disservice by keeping this conversation short, but I but I am. And therefore, Bertil, I'm going to bring you back in now. I, I'd love to know what what's next for you guys. What are you working on next? And, and what are you kind of most hopeful really for, to be honest? As Practical Action is committed to protect the people we work with, and far from gender-based violence. And uh, recently, the study shows that in Rwanda, in the refugee camp, 20% of women living in those camps faced gender-based violence. It is important to continue designing gender-responsive intervention. My colleagues mentioned gender working group that we initiated in all five camps that we are working with. Basically, we are seeking to catalyze gender transformation whereby women and vulnerable people have a voice, assistance, and uh, leadership opportunity. Uh, those gender working groups aims to lead the work we are doing on the field because we get feedback from, the, from them. In the response, we want to tackle underlying issues of gender inequality and, as I mentioned, to continue tailoring intervention accordingly. For me, we have always to remind uh, ourselves that refugees are vulnerable. Now there is a shift in the self-reliance mode in the displacement settings. The funds are being reduced as practical action to continue to share our learnings with humanitarian action actors on gender equality, issues related to energy access, and how we can address them in the refugee camp. What really uh, brings me hope is to create a neighboring environment for women and young girls, not forgetting men and to develop capacity building for refugees. For me, I believe when you empower a woman, you empower a nation. We have to continue uh, to implement selected high impact gender, equality intervention, but also measuring results on gender equality because it's, it's fundamental to tackle gender-based violence in this time because Hope needs action. I want to close uh, my note by saying that being a woman working in a refugee camp, it's our obligation to continue fight against gender-based violence even beyond 16, 16 days of activism. It's a must and it's a everyday task. Oh, beautiful. And I think I will sort of 
take your words, uh, Bertil, uh, with me for uh, for days. Uh, thank you so much to all three of you, uh, Mariette, George, Bertil, for sharing your wisdom, your experiences with us and, and those insights. If anybody listening has found any of this triggering, we will make sure we put some links into the chat or the words that sit alongside the podcast that you can then go to to, to get help and support and, and make sure that you're you're not alone in this. But that does bring our conversation to a close now. You can obviously, anybody listening, get in touch with these guys and Practical Action and, and find out more about them. And again, I'll put those links into the words that sit alongside. Mariette, George, Bethil, thank you. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.